0: Inside the Oval, presented by Dignity Health. This week, I'm joined by 49ers EDU Senior Manager, Sophie Navarro. Sophie, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Haley. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. We're still, we're working from home. How has work from home been for you?
1: It has been, I'm always on the fence about working from home. It's been like a blessing in disguise on top of everything that's going on. It's kind of hard to see it in that way. Um, I do live around 20 minutes from the stadium, but where I live in 880 traffic, it takes me anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours, depending on whether I'm coming or going. Wow. So not having to commute is great. Aside from that, just spending time with my dog has been really well. And I've been surprised about how efficient our team has been able to collaborate, especially since our job has changed completely.
0: From everything you've learned in the past year about work from home, setting up a workspace, Zoom, if you could give yourself a tip last March, what would that be?
1: Oh man, setting up the workspace is I think probably something I struggle with even till this day. I think it's commit to a workspace, like make it your own and make sure you're comfortable because I am definitely a woman of aesthetics. So I like to be around things that make me feel good and look good. And so I think that would be the tip. Just because there was so much uncertainty, nobody knew how much they wanted to invest in a workspace.
0: As someone who is on quite a few Zooms with you, I feel like you've perfected the background. Do you have any tips on that?
1: I, I'm always with the virtual background, um, especially where my, um, my computer is located. So I think the only tip I would have around the virtual background is, is find something that works for you and try to just have a blank wall behind you if you can, because sometimes those backgrounds go in and out.
0: Yeah, that's been my experience. I haven't, we're a year in and I haven't perfected it yet.
1: I think also having an external camera helps a lot in the quality versus having the camera that's in your laptop.
0: Moving into your role as a senior manager for 49ers EDU, what are your main responsibilities? What does your day-to-day look like?
1: Well, my day-to-day... Considering we're in a COVID era and our flagship program was an in-person field trip program for K-8 through youth, our programming has changed completely since we have transitioned into this digital space, especially when it comes to education. As far as my jobs and responsibilities, they haven't changed as dramatically because I was always kind of in that fishbowl looking Over all of the things that were happening and trying to make sure that they all worked together versus being in the program day to day. So I guess I should backtrack and kind of tell you what 49ers EDU is. So we are um, a department of six that are dedicated to informing and educating students K through eight around science, technology, engineering, arts and math through the game of football. And as I mentioned before, our flagship program is a field trip program where kids come to the stadium from nine to two and go through this amazing experience around a stadium tour, a museum tour. We have four exclusive classrooms that we've outfitted specifically for the education program where we create standard aligned curriculum, infusing the game Of football into everything that we teach. And a lot of other things that go into that aside from that field trip program, we do family learning nights, or family programming, we do event based programming with other organizations, we're very closely with our foundation, uh, 49ers prep, and um, CR for some initiatives, depending on what the need is. We also have different grant programs where we support teachers and provide professional development in the areas of STEAM, project-based learning, and uh, design thinking. So my responsibility is bringing that all together and executing upon all of the initiatives that we collectively decide. We have an amazing team that supports us with our our teaching on the ground, but really, I mean, working with you, Haley, on all of the things that are digital and working with Patty on social and Emily with PR. I work with partnerships in the foundation in framing up what our programming looks like and trying to make sure that we have funding to provide all of these services for free. So the list goes on and I'm And I'm sure I can keep on telling you all of the different things, but I think that sums it up pretty well.
0: You touched on the field trip program, which is an award-winning, amazing program. How have you guys pivoted to continue to educate and provide resources, but now we've all kind of had to embrace this digital environment?
1: Yeah, our in-person program was very extensive. Um, It was completely free. It was Uh, It was open to anyone except for busing. Another amazing part of our program, which it was one of my favorite things and I feel so had so much pride in is the fact that we provided busing for those people within 75 mile radius. And that busing was granted to those with the most need or an express need. So went to most of our Title I schools in the Bay Area and that completely changed. And not being able to be in person has affected everyone in different ways, very much in our day-to-day, in our personal lives. And specific to EDU, we had to reimagine the way that we were able to reach our community, specifically those students furthest from the resources that we tried to reach through our field trip program by providing this free busing, which is usually an obstacle for them to enjoy these types of opportunities. So what we did is turned everything on its head in the sense of creating this digital platform with all of the things that we already did in stadium and leveraging our playbook, which was an activity workbook that every student got at the field trip and digitized it and updated it in a way that made sense in people's homes and in a classroom setting versus in a field trip setting. We were also able to make that an interactive PDF, which not only made it more fun, but also was solving for that access point, right? Not everyone has a computer that can run all these programs and have something that's super high tech, where you can actually download the PDF version, the flat version, and put it on a Google Classroom that most teachers are using. On top of that, we have added um, video content to go along with that to try to um, support students along the way in an asynchronous
0: manner. Quick plug, anyone who wants to look at the EDU playbook, it is amazing, 49ers.com edu. On that, do you you were instrumental in part of the whole process of digitizing that. Do you have a favorite lesson plan in the playbook? I know you know it front to back. Wow. Yeah.
1: So I think, thank you for the plug. Amazing. Please um, access it. We worked really hard on it and it's there for you all to use and enjoy. My favorite page would probably have to be the environmental sustainability page. Because it was a challenge trying to get a lot of that information on the page and split up the work. And it has a lesson on kilowatts and then a math lesson, as well as some sustainability pieces that you can take into your home, like a checklist of just seeing how you can better help the world by having some of these sustainable
0: practices. I'm... Curious. When you were going through college, what career path did you see yourself in? Was it sports or teaching? I don't know why the only other profession that's coming to my head is doctor. So I'm throwing that (laughs) in there because I completely blanked after teacher.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I honestly, there's a lot of things there, right? Um, I grew up in a family of teachers my mother is a teacher. She went back to school when we were all adults and got her master's to become a school counselor at a continuation school, and that has always been a big influence. My sister is a teacher. She started teaching when she was 21, and has been teaching ever since. I come from a family of four or three siblings, four including myself, and all of us have been in education in some degree, and. I kind of revolted against that because my parents always were like, you'd make a great teacher. But you see something growing up and you're kind of forced when you're forced down a path, it's kind of hard to see it for yourself. And my dad comes from a blue collar line of work, so he saw all of the advantages from his perspective, we all know how much we un- teachers are undervalued. But from his perspective, that teaching was such a great career that he was also very pushy around wanting to, me to be a teacher. So, no, I did not see myself as a teacher. I did not see myself in sports. My family didn't grow up watching or listening or being super involved as fans or sports of any kind. So any affinity I have for sports comes from my own um, experience and from my own want and need. I really saw my major was in communication, specifically in organizational, public and professional communications. So I did have that background in talking and being around all the organizational pieces and structures that I think really helped in in 49ers EDU, especially in its foundation, but I saw myself doing community work. And this was just a marriage of of my upbringing and my exposure to teaching and love of kids and really just wanting to help people and be involved and getting paid to help people. As soon as, as, soon as I found out that you can have a job where you helped people every single day and got paid for it, I was like, sign me up because that is what I want to do.
0: How did you hear about, because you've been part of the 49ers since EDU basically was created, how did you hear about this role and get your foot in the door?
1: Yeah, so 49ers EDU is a completely new department and a new program to professional sports. I mean, There are amazing programs out there that across all disciplines and community efforts that sports teams have put into education, specifically STEAM education and whatnot. But the 49ers were and are one of most extensive in-house, not outsourced, in-house STEAM education departments and as obviously we are all working in sports here um, or me and you, you know how small and tight departments are. And we have six people dedicated to that. I mean, our director is also the director of the museum. So he has a split role, but we are all very invested in this. And how did I hear about this? It was actually luck of the draw. I honestly didn't know what I was signing up for when I came on board. I started my career, my sports career, I should say, uh, in baseball. So I was an intern for the community relations department with the Oakland A's. And I was there for a full season and was really just looking for my next step. And I saw a part-time role open at Levi's Stadium in the STEM education program. And I was like, great. It, it's community work. It's in sports where I already have started um, this career path and I specifically love for the ability to reach people through sport is so powerful that I fell in love with it. And I did I ended up interviewing and I got the position here, the 49ers as a part-time staff member. and eventually, I think I started in November and in January got promoted to full time until I got to the position where I am now.
0: Like you, I I also started as a part-time role. Do you think that that experience helped develop you for the position you are now? I know out of college, a lot of people are hesitant to take that extra internship or take a part-time role. Do you think that was beneficial to your growth?
1: 100%. I mean, every department is different, every sports team is different, but I think there's so much value in working, whether it is in the field that you wanna have a career in or not, and just getting experience because sometimes the best person that is fit for the role has nothing to do with the has no experience in the job that they're doing because they bring so many different perspectives to that role that makes it all the more dynamic and i think that's very core to who we are as a department and being in the educational space teaching about steam and how it relates to football that we try to make sure that we highlight that intersectionality between the things that you're learning in the classroom, the jobs that um, are out there, and the different concepts that are are in this amazing sport that we call football. So I've been working since I was 16, and all of those different work experiences, part-time, retail, community work, whatever it is, definitely helped me develop to and learn the skills that I need now, but specifically working part time in uh, 49ers Edu made me understand the inner workings of how to manage and how to look at a bigger picture of how the ecosystem of our of our programming works.
0: Yeah, I I am very fortunate that I get to. Beyond on the receiving end of all of the photos and videos that come out of EDU and the field trips when they were happening in person. And some of my favorite moments are from field trips with player and alumni guest appearances and their interactions with the kids. How have you seen players, alumni, executives, other members of the 49ers organization embrace EDU?
1: I mean, with big open arms. um, (laughs) I agree. I think those are some of my favorite moments too. Um, Just to see the kids' reactions of how much it impacts them and also how much it impacts our our players and our, our staff members. I think a lot of, um, unless you are as fortunate as you are in terms of being in the weeds with all of the things that we're doing, sometimes it it's lost on us because we're so busy on the grind, doing the things that we need to do. The season's coming up, the season just ended, getting ready for the next season that we don't stop and appreciate the, the moments that we can make for other people and specifically inspire them. And I think that has really propelled people's participation and want to give back. I mean, you know how philanthropic we are as an organization to begin with, but just that intersection and being so close to it has really, has been really impactful for not only for, like I mentioned, the kids and the employees, but for us working in a department.
0: I'm curious because you were saying not only for the kids, and it brought up something I don't know. In a Normal year, hopefully, uh, there's a vaccine now. We're all there's light at the end of the tunnel. We go back to field trips. How many kids were coming through the field trip program every year?
1: Yeah, we were reaching 60,000 participants each year, give or take, right? We had the capacity to have 360 kids here a day so we were very high volume we were event if you work in the event space we were an event every single day of the week
0: since 2014 has the program have you guys had to adapt it change up the classroom settings you see 60 potentially 60,000 kids a year how do you adapt to make sure that you are engaging and staying as the go-to event
1: yeah so I've been lucky enough to be part of this program since its fruition and see it evolve and be a part of those changes and keeping it relevant and exciting for the students. I think one of the things that isn't lost on us is that we'll always be exciting to the fact that everyone loves field trips. I mean, I love field trips growing up. Any excuse to get out of the classroom and, and see something and, and interact with my classmates in a different way was exciting. So we have that going for us. and. I think the first year we had one classroom that was connected to the museum. And this was a museum education program. And we had the goal of serving, I think, 20,000 students. And we exceeded that and served 30,000 students. And we saw the huge list of people that were on the wait list. And saw it as an opportunity to open our arms and embrace more students and provide more opportunities to our community. And with the amazing leadership that we have, Jesse asked our ownership for, for an expansion and they, with no hesitation, agreed. And that's how we ended up with four classrooms specifically to serve those 60,000 students. And that changed our programming completely. Because we had to accommodate for that extra volume and different experiences, as you know, um, moving kids throughout the stadium, especially in the tunnels, is a challenge, and it definitely helped us keep a, a more a refreshed take. On a more practical level, we do rotate our lessons. We our team is so creative and so inventive with the background to come up with lessons, new lessons every year. And we try to rotate through those annually.
0: I don't know if there's an answer to this. Have you seen other teams or other professional sports leagues start dabbling more in the STEAM education field?
1: It's actually a big space and continually growing. I think specifically STEAM learning is maybe like in its sixth or seventh year, if not more, um, in terms of popularity, the adoption in the actual classroom is still not as high as you see all these extensive programs that, you, that you'll that you see at tech companies or at sports team. The 49ers, again, is one of the leading sports franchises to be doing this work. Another amazing plug, if I can, is the Anaheim Ducks in hockey that have an in-house team working on curriculum and have this huge field trip that they do, a stadium-wide field trip that they do once a year that really has very similar branches and core ideas that the 49ers EDU does. But I think we're very unique in this space, and I do see a lot more interest from all these different companies. They just activate it in different ways.
0: If someone is out there listening to this and is hearing how cool your job is and is just like, I want to do what she does, what would your advice to them be?
1: I would say hone in on what you're good at. And everything else will take care of itself. You can't be like STEM, STEAM is a, it's a really big discipline, right? The um, sports careers are, is a huge discipline. And there's so many different avenues as we're learning through this podcast, as you interview all these different people. But I think that the individuality that one brings and the different skill sets that one brings is very important. And just be really good at what you want to be. And I mean, in this case, for my position, I think it's be empathetic, be willing to listen and always learn. The hard skills would definitely be connected to the teaching world and philanthropy world and have some experience there, especially when it comes to the way that kids grow and learn and think. And just be very proactive in in understanding the connections between the different departments. I can't emphasize enough how much my my job is a metaphor for what we actually represent at 49ers edu and bringing everything together and all of these different subjects and all of these different skills to perform one job and how it makes somebody better at what they do.
0: Do you have a favorite student interaction that you've had? I feel like I have so many and they're, they're
1: sometimes connected to my personal life. Like having a, a cousin or a niece or nephew come in through the program and them seeing me working At the 49ers, I think that will never get old. And I think that's one of the things I take the most pride in, in being able to be a role model for them and letting them see someone that they know work for the team. I think there's there's a lot of times that we have students come that don't have consent forms it's basically their permission slip to be at the stadium and we have to sit on the bus or wait for them until we get in contact with the students. And having those one-on-one personal um, conversations with them are very impactful. You get these letters back from them just saying what they remembered and whatnot. So that is another amazing memory that I have. And I definitely think it's always the small interactions that get me, not the big like crowd moments, but just the 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 little conversations you get to have with kids. They're so dynamic, they're so smart, and they bring so much light into situations that it's so hard to choose.
0: It's so fun because you, you've been doing this for... 6 plus years now and 60,000 kids a year. It's a lot to choose from, but I'm sure there are memories that just stick out. Definitely.
1: It's always nice to have a reminder of what you why you do the things that you do.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit because I think you're the perfect person to talk to this about. You have been incredibly involved in both Women Connect and Latin X. We've seen The 49ers specifically expand their employee resource groups a lot in the last year. Do you think, one, we should go over them because they're really cool. But two, do you think having multiple ERGs should be more commonplace in business?
1: Yeah. Should ERGs be more commonplace in business? And I think 100% it gives you an avenue to connect with other people in a different way outside of work I mentioned before how I live 20 minutes from the stadium but it takes me anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours to get there during traffic time and a lot of times I'm just trying to get out the door and you don't get that chance to really connect with people outside of your work functions so it's definitely an avenue to express yourself get to know your your peers better and in turn, creates better working relationships when you're trying to get things done. Absolutely. So, Women Connect is our wo- uh, woman's ERG at the 49ers, and it's our oldest ERG that, that was created. And it really started um, before I got to the organization and was very much served the purpose of connecting women within the organization to do social events, to talk to each other and just get that moment outside of work to have those those conversations that you might not be able to have during all work hours around being a woman in sports. As it developed, we have been a lot more comprehensive around Uh, Including not only social events, but philanthropic events, professional development opportunities, and really trying to be a hub for information. And now it has a formalized board. So one of those. Instances would be um, Know Your Ballot campaign during election years, where we go over propositions that are specific to California, that Allison Liu has been amazing in terms of putting together and getting the whole organization involved. And more recently, we formed the Latinx ERG in the past year, and this is still in its formative years. And that, and I think the, um, The thing that is great about ERGs is that those groups have the power to shape what their their participation and their interactions look like. And that might look differently than what I just explained with Women Connect, but it's definitely serving the purpose of having conversations around being Latinx. In the sports industry, being Latinx at the 49ers, being Latinx outside in in the real world and the different things that come along with that and the struggles and challenges that we face and the beauty of our culture and being able to embrace that in so many different ways.
0: What is it like forming Latinx or like making a board for Women Connect? How do you go about deciding that that's something you want to expand or look into?
1: yeah if creating an erg i feel like definitely comes from a place where you feel like your voice isn't heard or represented in 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 the organization or in the work that you do aside from just needing a place to connect and that's why you see these minority groups or or groups that aren't in a position of power all the time form these groups that's kind of where the want and need comes from and in terms of forming a board and trying to formalize a process, it is a beautiful mess. <laughs> so you have so many different opinions and so many different ideas and experiences that, that contribute to these different groups that it's something you just get in the weeds on and it's hard to form consensus um, around making some of these decisions, but it's empowering and the fact that you get to make choices. So I think having a group of individuals that are willing to put in the work and are looking to put together these, these opportunities for their peers and their colleagues is really what it takes um, in terms of formalizing any type of board or trying even to create something.
0: We talked about earlier, you've been with the organization since 2014. Have you seen the diversity in the org change during that time? I think I
1: think I have and I and, and I say that I, I think because as you know when we are in the stadium and where our office is, we're very insulated from the rest of the departments, so we work with each other more than we work with anyone else, even if we are cross-collaborating. What I have noticed is there has been a lot more diversity in thought, and that is just as important as actually having diversity numbers. And trust me, I am advocating for the mo- the highest level of diversity on every level, but to say we've moved the needle, I can 100% say that from when I started to now, the the openness around talking about these different issues and in these instances and just not shying away from the, the need to do better has completely changed and shifted. And that's from people coming in and out, just us growing as an organization together, and, and whatnot. But admittedly, and I think anybody from a minority group will say that their company always needs to be doing better as it relates to recruiting and bringing in uh, minority candidates.
0: Yeah. I thought we could finish with a couple quick hits. They don't tend to be quick. They just, I don't know how else to classify them, but I thought it could be fun.
1: <laughs> Lightning round. I'm about it.
0: Do you have a favorite memory as a member of the 49ers?
1: Long pause. Um, Favorite memory As, as an employee or as a fan? Either one. Yeah, I think as a fan and a sports aficionado, for sure it would be the NFC Championship game. And being able to take a photo on the field or just go on the field after the game um, and experience that with my brother. As as an employee and, and the work that I do, I think it is, I, I would classify this as, as not an exact memory, but just the feeling I get knowing that students are getting an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise have had and being able to tap into those groups. I I really want to give you a very specific answer. So I might just circle back and tell you at the end if something pops up.
0: Speaking of the NFC Championship, which is crazy to think that that was two seasons ago, afterwards, the Yorks were... Incredibly generous, and we all got to go to Miami. Do you have a favorite Miami memory?
1: I, I have so many. So, and here I will give you a lot of specific um, examples. Um, I think one of them is just the experience of being on a chartered plane that got to be driven up to the tarmac and doing that with all of our, our friends and our colleagues was like unforgettable. Yes. A random moment that happened to me was after checking into our hotel, we had a, a complimentary beverage and charcuterie board plate delivered to our room. And it was like super star VIP status type of moment, but I'm pretty sure that was a mistake because they said we I'm so sorry your flight was late and we were all on the same flight it was not late and i still got this like really cool vip treatment and the halftime show was so great aside from just being at the stadium and watching the super bowl which was incredible and then the after the after party being front row to to all of these amazing artists that came even though we did lose
0: i think that was something i didn't know before I worked in sports, so this is like inside news. Both teams have after parties, whether you win or lose. I
1: had no idea either.
0: Do you have, I guess while we're on favorites, do you have a favorite, you've worked on a lot of projects recently working on the digital playbook, but also you've done a lot of lesson plans. And do you have a favorite project that you've been a part of?
1: I have so many. Um, I think just because we're on the topic and me and you, have been recently working on this, but I love the Follow Your Bliss, a grant program that we have for teachers, administrators, and community leaders. And specifically being able to work with Dr. Harry Edwards. He's such an inspiring man and the things that he's done for diversity in, the, uh, in sport and just the community and activist work that he's done is deeply impactful for me. I think I'm going to stop there and say that program before i start naming all of them and all of the different reasons why i love them so much
0: i would love if you just uh talked about follow your bliss because it is going on right now and you can nominate educators at 49ers.com slash bliss and it is it's so cool yeah i i love you all the plugs thank you Haley. I feel like I need to plug them because I they're top of mind right now. So <laughs>
1: yes, they are, and I I mean you've equally worked so hard to get them off the ground. So shout out to Haley. That's my plug for helping us um, create all of these great things and making sure that people get to see them and access them. But yes. Follow Your Bliss is an amazing opportunity for Bay Area community members to nominate a teacher K through 12, an administrator or a community leader tied to one of your schools for a $5,000 grant to use towards um, your school or your organization. Um, This is our fourth year in, in giving out this grant, and we're giving five out Um, This year, and it really highlights the work that teachers are doing that isn't necessarily always seen um, where you are leading with passion, empathy, patience. And going above beyond the call of duty as it relates to really helping our youth find their way, especially in this COVID era and the support systems that they create for those students.
0: Did the grant have to change at all this year with educating from home?
1: Yeah, it essentially, I think the biggest change that the grant application or um, nominees would see is we just want to know what challenges that you've been facing, because we understand that school and your job and your responsibilities look completely different than they have in past years. Bay Area teachers have faced so many obstacles and and kind of preparing us for this this pandemic. I mean, can you really be truly prepared for a pandemic? No, but we've had reoccurring fires that has interrupted our education system throughout California that have had to put some of these these emergency protocols into place. So, I think the biggest difference between other years and this year and what's happening globally is understanding that support for yourself and for your students looks completely different and wanting just to know the challenges that you've had to face and how you're trying to overcome them, where we had, hadn't had to highlight that
0: before. My final quick hit is also my favorite one. For every job posting out there, there's that bullet point at the very bottom that says other duties as assigned. Have you done anything that you didn't expect you would have in your role?
1: I have. I think working with kids is like, probably the most unpredictable thing that you can can probably do. And working with people who work with kids, whole other ballpark, um, specifically teachers and parents (laughs) and whatnot. So I think, I think the duties not assigned or other duties, I would say is like, managing chaperones and parents and like the crazy stories that come around around that because they tend to be bigger fans than the students are and think that this is their their chance and their show and their opportunity and trying to take away that the shine from them so you can edit this out um, later if you want, but I've had, um, a lot of issues when it comes to very excited fans going places they're not supposed to, or just not being compliant to be as PC as I can.
0: (laughs) Yes, I have watched you do your job and I know for a fact I could not do it. So I am in awe of you. I- I think one of my favorite things about this organization is that it's it's full of women who are very supportive of other women. And for me, that has definitely been you. So I, I do want to thank you for coming on this podcast because I wanted to talk to you on it for a while.
1: No, thank you, Haley. I mean, ever since you started, I feel like you are one of my go-to girls so I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you and be able to share with everyone a little bit of both of our jobs because I couldn't do it without you